Sanford. And we'd set up there. It was a guy who literally was just on a bicycle. He was just like riding past and he I'm sure was not expecting opera to come into his world at all, but he stopped. And he came sort of uh, in the first uh, piece I sang uh, halfway through and he sat down and he stayed for the whole thing. And he was just this look of awe, wonder, joy, uh, just like, is this really happening? Like he was enthralled and without being too stereotypical he was not the usual patron you would expect to see and he even said that himself he said you know he's not opera's really not his thing and he stayed afterwards he talked to us he was you know really fascinated to hear that hey there's this professional opera company in town and tickets are actually fairly attainably priced you know um and that unfortunately with covid right now things are a little up in the air in terms of when we're going to be back in the theater but that you know we're going to be doing pop-up around town and you can find us and you know he got the qr code and everything it was just yeah, it was, it was like watching an adult have a childlike experience, I think is the best way to put One word that might describe the experience of pop-up opera. Magnificent. Um, surprisingly excellent. Like uh, really, really, what a surprise and what a good thing to do if they are in the vicinity. It's rather short, but we've so much enjoyed it and we try to come when it's around where we live. A word? Beautiful. Thank you. Uh, one word that might describe the experience of pop-up opera. Fabulous. Uh, refreshing. Surprisingly amazing. Yeah. Transcendent. Welcome to the Listening Party Podcast. I'm Rebecca Haas, the Director of Community Engagement for Pacific Opera. Today's podcast is all about pop-up opera, our COVID-safe community program which brought music to Greater Victoria this summer in over 150 performances. The first voice you heard was Alison Ward. Allison is a soprano and a singer in our pop-up opera program. She shared one of her favorite memories from this summer, and it's one of mine too. There are many more stories to come in the podcast, from playground singing adventures laced with Disney songs, to the story of how music affected one man with early-onset Alzheimer's. Four of our pop-up singers join me to tell all. Where was the weirdest place I asked them to sing? And what about the time they were asked to stop singing? I also had a chance to hear from one of Pop-Up Opera's greatest supporters, and of the arts in general, Her Honour, the Lieutenant Governor of British Columbia, Janet Austin. The very last voice you heard... Yeah. Transcendent. That was the voice of Caitlin Ottenbright. She had just had her very first experience of pop-up opera. I met her at the library, the Saanich Centennial Branch, where she was standing by, 
looking after the public to keep them all safe in her role as the public services librarian from the arts, culture, and heritage branch of the Greater Victoria Public Library. I asked her what it means to have live music available during the pandemic. I think that the fact that we had people waiting outside and asking us when it was going to start shows how much we all want to engage with each other and with the arts and um, be out in our community and experiencing art and beauty together. This summer from June 19th to August 30th, you could hear live singing by local opera singers in surprising locations. I think that's one way I might describe pop-up opera in a nutshell. But I asked I Horton, one of our singers, how she describes it to people. Someone who doesn't know what it is, um, how would you explain it to an outsider? How do you explain to your family what it is you're doing this summer? <laughs> <laughs> well, they ask me all the time because they, they still are kind of unsure of what it is because they haven't had a chance to come see it. But basically, it's a way to make this sort of singing a lot more approachable. And so they send a single singer, sometimes two, not right now, but in the past we have had two at a time, out into a place in the community where you might not normally expect that kind of performance to be there. And it allows for people who didn't even know that this existed, this kind of music or this company, uh, to experience live music at a, a close-up situation. I think I did a beautiful job of describing pop-up opera. Pop-up opera is a passion project for me. Here's the backstory. Several years ago, I was asked to sing at a private party for someone's birthday. And it's one of those living room situations with six people in attendance, lounging in couches, and there's a piano in the living room. And I sang a small program of songs. And one of the guests began to cry. And it wasn't because it was an emotionally moving song I was offering. It was the impact of being up close and personal to the experience of a live trained voice. And I realized that as opera singers, we often forget how unique and how special that is. And beyond our interpretation and our artistry, there's something incredible about the human voice and its impact. In fact, when I spoke to her honor, Janet Austin, I think she's had the same experience of the voice. I do believe that of all the arts, you know, and of course I, I love literature and, 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 and painting, and these have all been interests of mine. But I think the one that most closely connects us to humanity in that broad sense um, is the human voice. I think there's something in the sound wave. I think there's something visceral about music and I think as much as I love a giant hall and 2,000 people in the dark, there's something incredible for both the artist and the audience member to be more intimate in some ways, which seems like a strange thing to say during the time of COVID-19. Pop-Up Opera was not created for the pandemic. I actually ran a version of this program last year, but we focused on street fairs and special events. And so those were places that people were naturally gathering in large numbers and could experience pop-up opera. For the pandemic, we needed to make some shifts. There were no street fairs, there were no festivals, and we didn't want people to gather, but we wanted people to have this experience. So rather than promote our appearances, we sent singers out, parks, uh, squares, local squares with outdoor patios, and that way we could ensure there would be 
the appropriate amount of distance between the singer and the audience, but people would be surprised and have this experience they might not have expected. In the beginning, I really wasn't sure how this was going to go. <laughs> and so I was a little nervous the first day it went out into community. Here is my assistant this summer who managed the program on the ground and was key in the success of this program, Paul Winkleman's describing those early days of pop-up opera. People were getting emotional. There was tears in people's eyes and they were so happy that just a little sense of normalcy was coming back. There was live music again and it, it was really effective. And so even that first couple days, it was a really good sign that we'd created something really nice. I really remember the first one we did. We did it across the road for Intercultural Association because they're a partner with uh, Pacific Opera and a lot of my community programming. And even I got teary when Kyla started to sing because I realized how long it had been since I'd heard a voice live. I was hearing everything as online, right? We just have so many people posting and it's not the same. It was quite, I thought it was really, I was astonished at the impact of it. Well, it was, uh, I guess it was the beginning of June, and I was um, helping Jack Lohman open the uh, Royal BC Museum. And the staff at the museum told me that um, they were going to be, there was going to be a pop-up opera the next day uh, in, the, in the area right outside the museum. And I thought, oh my God, that's wonderful. I'm going to have to come to that. That was the voice of Janet Austin, the Lieutenant Governor of British Columbia. How did she first find pop-up opera? Like many of you locally, she heard a voice in the distance and followed her ears. So I came and Macduff, my beautiful little Westie, came with me and we arrived and I couldn't see anybody. And I thought, where is this? And I heard a voice singing um, a little distance away. And I thought, well, I'll go find them. So I went looking and I heard one voice, but there was no one there. So I thought I was in the wrong place. And I realized, I realized it was in fact the pop-up opera, um, but, but they had no audience. And I just thought, oh my God, this is wrong. I need to do something to help here. So I came the next day and again, Macduff and I were present um, and there were one or two other people walking by. But I just thought, you know, the voices were so marvelous and it was such a wonderful thing to do. I, I wanted to be able to help. And so what we did was we reached out to you and suggested that perhaps um, we could have a pop-up opera performance on the grounds of Government House and there would be a, a, a guaranteed audience because there are people there already. Um, but also it's a very safe place. Lots of social distancing, not a huge crowd. So it could be done in a way that's consistent with all the measures we're currently being asked to adhere to. Your grounds were ideal for it. And I have such wonderful memories of coming the first time we were at Government House and the gardeners were in that day. And just the looks on their faces, it was such a lovely thing to have them. That was a really memorable one for me this summer. Oh, it was for me too. Um, I think it was probably my favorite one because just as you say, it was a, a wonderful surprise and a treat for them. Um, but also just people who happen to be touring the grounds as they do regularly for their daily walk, um, you know, had that same experience and were just delighted with what they heard. What made pop-up opera possible this summer was that it was offered outside, so much safer for all of us right now. 
When I asked the singers what their biggest challenge was in performing pop-up opera every day, they were pretty much of one mind. You're going to hear from Anna Schill, Louis Dillon, I. Horton, and we're going to start with Alison Ward. Alison did tell me her challenge, but she also wanted to start off by telling me her best experience of where to sing in Victoria. The atrium at the downtown public library. I've actually sung there uh, several times before when friends and I would gather together sort of at Christmas time to do Christmas carols. It's an incredible, incredible acoustic and it's just such a joy to sing there. But I sort of just thrive in that environment. So going and being able to sing at the atrium like I was last week was just kind of icing on the cake for me. The, the worst has actually have to be last year. We sang at uh, the Oak Bay Tea Party. And I kid you not, I sang right next to the Tilt-A-Whirl for an hour. It's, I mean, for anyone who doesn't know what the Tilt-A-Whirl is, it's basically one of those carnival rides that like whirs and zings and people scream their heads off when they're on it. So yeah, that was, um, that was a new kind of... <laughs> experience as a singer. I had some lovely people across the street who really appreciated hearing me sing, but I think they were the only ones who could actually probably hear me. The wind blowing and the cars driving past and, and the, the bustle from the street below and singing over top of that was, was a challenge. Um, singing on really windy days was particularly challenging, I found, um, or into very large, vast spaces. I'm so used to listening to myself inside theaters or concert halls or any space that I'm in. And when you sing in a field overlooking the ocean on Dallas Road and you hear the waves come crashing and you don't hear much else, you don't get to hear yourself or any feedback. Um, so it's really easy to push a little bit too much sometimes and you have to really trust what you're feeling uh, rather than what you're hearing. So. Say the elements was probably the biggest challenge and all of a sudden, you know, a big bus driving by or the sounds of construction, jackhammers and, uh, and keeping going when um, the Bluetooth speaker decided to abandon you. At first, it's pretty jarring. I was in school previous to this. You know, you, you, you kind of start to get into this routine of like, all right, all of these things need to be met. I have to be in this perfect acoustic space. The audience has to be, you know, X uh, distance apart uh, in the dark so I don't have to look any of them in the eye. The, the, first, um, the, the first ever pop-up that I did, it was uh, um, windy. So I, uh, <laughs> I at, at the end of it, I felt like I just screened myself hoarse, just trying to, uh, trying to, make it, uh, you know, try, try to compete with the wind, uh, which uh, you're never going to win that battle. Hi everyone, we are here with Pacific Opera Victoria. We are so glad that you are here with us today. Uh, our singer today is Alana Hayes. Outside is a struggle, but there are rewards. When I asked the singers to share some of their favorite stories from pop-up opera this summer, a few themes emerged, and one was children. You might be familiar with the old adage, never perform with children or animals. They're such scene stealers. But in this case, the stops at the local parks were highlights. These were performances where the singers sometimes even took requests, it turns out. 
Here's I Horton and Allison Ward and Paul Winkleman's. A little bird told me that you're also not so bad at your Walt Disney songs. <laughs> oh man, yeah, there was another occasion with a different group of kids and the girl put in a request, she said, do you know the song from Moana? And so it was, we actually ended up singing it together and she was just thrilled that I knew what she was talking about. I mean, I love opera, but Disney's always gonna be very close to my heart. Oh, I remember one of the first um, summer camps that we went to, there were two kids um, on the playground actually, I remember because they were on one of those kind of spring-loaded dinosaur type things where you just kind of rock back and forth and after I finished singing they waved me over so I went you know as close as is acceptable currently and the one girl was just so excited she was saying wow like I've never heard live music that close before and it's strange to think that during these times this kid has experienced her closest live performance right when we're being very careful to distance but she was so excited and how do you sing that loud without a microphone how old are you wow how did you get into this i'm gonna tell my mom and i'm gonna get her to come back next week so we can see it together and she's maybe four or five but that was a really special moment the other really awesome uh experience i had was a child it was a grandmother and her granddaughter and we were just sort of set up at a playground um and she was very, uh, she was interested, but she was really kind of a little scared. <laughs> I think she was about two and a half or three, maybe. And it was partially, you know, stranger danger thing that, that kids go through that phase. Um, but it was also, okay, this is a big loud noise coming from a person. For the granddaughter, apparently she really did love to sing. We sang a little bit at the end. We sang a little bit of Let It Go from Frozen. <laughs> because, you know, that's, that's her language. That's, that's what she loves to sing. So we were at Lockside Park, and I believe I Horton was the singer. And uh, they line up, the kids all sit down in a nice little line and uh, she sings the songs and the kids are very quiet and very excited about it. The staff came up to us after and said, that is the quietest they have been all week. They went back and went back to playing and screaming on the playground again, but for that little moment they were totally attentive. I love that a really loud art form helps other people be quiet. <laughs> The one story about the time that we were asked to stop singing was we had gone to a park in View Royal and we had sort of started the first song. People were starting to check out what was going on as usual. And a man comes out, looks like he's come out from a neighboring building. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, he must have heard and he's coming to listen. And then we're just sort of ending the song and he says, you know what? My daughter is doing a classical piano masterclass over Zoom right now, and we're getting a lot of sound. So if you wouldn't mind relocating to another spot, then uh, that would be very appreciated. And the only time that our classical music performance was interrupted was when another classical music performance was trying to happen inside on a Zoom call. So we didn't want to interrupt that. As pop-up opera progressed, we started to think more creatively. I wondered, 
where could we sing for people that would be a real surprise, something with a twist that also met the social distancing guidelines? I had an idea. What about a kayak in the inner harbor? Lewis, our pop-up opera baritone, takes up the story. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was earlier this summer too, where um, I, I think uh, Paul was testing the waters, just asking me like, "Hey, what what uh, what what are you game for?" And I, you know, I, of course, I gave the answer like, "Yeah, you know, just try me. I'm game for anything." So uh, yeah, this uh, <laughs> definitely put that to the test. Yeah, going into this, I was just like beside myself with excitement. I didn't even eat lunch. Yeah, we did a few uh, we did a few places along the um, along the inner harbor, and uh, uh, yeah, and up, up all the way to Kinsale Trestle. It was it was actually quite the workout. We were uh, we had to we had to we actually had to rip around quite a bit to uh, to make it to our own time, but. Um, uh, yeah, and then out, outside some of the waterfront patios and stuff, but at every single place that we went, like, you know, I, I, it definitely drew some, uh, some crowds. We definitely had the surprise factor down pretty well, where, uh, you know, I, I saw a bunch of people just, like, rush up to the railing, like, you know, everyone's phones were out. I think, I think the best one actually was, uh, was right next to the bridge, next to the, uh, walkway and stuff, because they, they have all the chairs set out. Uh, the acoustics are great there, too, so that was, uh, you know, I was, uh, I, I finally had those back on my side. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just it, it was it was just ridiculous. The I think the the hardest part about it really was you're you're multitasking a bit more than uh, you know even you would be in stage on an opera or something like that because you you know I I, I realized like oh yeah I've, I've drifted like a hundred meters since I started this song. I'm like back paddle and make sure I'm not uh, heading out into boat traffic or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, it it was just such a blast and. Um, I would, uh, I, I would love to do that again. Everyone on the shore loved it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, we, we even sang to some people uh, paddle boarding or in those, um, uh, in the, in those hot tub boats. I think it was definitely the coolest thing that uh, that I did, and, and and for sure got the the best response. It's it's really cool. So an opera singer kayaking turns out to have a great acoustic on the water and under the bridge. Not so, though, for Anna Schill and her fiancé, Jan Vanderhoeft, a tenor, who sang from the rooftops onto Government Street. After hearing this story from her, I think I'm lucky she doesn't have a fear of heights. We walked right to the edge and, and overlooked the intersection on Government Street. And, um, and then Paul hung the sign over the edge of the building so that people would be able to tell what on earth we were doing up there, caterwauling away. And Paul went down to the sidewalk and he said I'm gonna give you a thumbs up when I'm ready so just have at her like just start and he's like yeah just start just have at her and I'll explain to two bystanders later like, okay and so the cars are going and people are walking and uh I went to the edge and very carefully put my phone in the bluetooth speaker on the edge of the building um which was a little nerve-wracking I just started singing and people sort of looked around and tried to figure out where on earth we were it was a little Marco Polo-ish. It was kind of fun. And people would figure it out finally and, and be like, oh, there were lots of videos and smiles and uh, lots of people stopped. We interrupt them in a very unexpected location from a rooftop. So it takes them a while to figure out where on earth we even are. And we sound like we're over top of them and they're looking around left and right. And you're really like literally standing over top of them singing opera. And they finally look up and go, oh my goodness, that's the last place I'd expect to see a singer. So it was a lot of fun. Pop-up opera started to grow a real following. And we started to get emailed requests 
Where are we performing? How could people come to hear us? I can't tell you how grateful I am for our many passionate supporters here in town who would often drive from place to place to place to hear us, especially considering how short these little performances were due to health rules. We began to announce one site daily where people could come to hear the singer, in a space that could accommodate more people if needed and keep social distancing in place. One of those places very early on was the Art Gallery of Victoria. Here's I with her story of a rather unusual performance. We went to our scheduled location, which was outside of the Greater Victoria Art Gallery. I think that's what it's called. And there was nobody there, you know, but we'd been scheduled to sing there. So, you know, I put down the speaker and I did my song. And, you know, there was a couple staff members and maybe one person sitting on a bench. But as I was singing, I looked across the road and there's an apartment building right there. And I could see people starting to come up to the windows because they heard the music. And my first thought is, oh no, somebody's going to be upset. I've interrupted their day. I'm quite loud. They, they're like, what's going on? But no, they started opening the windows. And I remember one person was on the phone with her friend. She came down to talk to us afterwards and she just stuck the phone out the window because she wanted to share this experience with her. And that was, it was super exciting for me because I went right from panic, oh no, they're going to be upset to, oh good, they're enjoying it. And I've added something to their day. And they came down and, and had a conversation with us after. And that was very just lovely to have. Along with public pop-up presentations, we also offered people the chance to request a performance. We called them postcards. We wanted to bring music to people who couldn't come to the regular pop-up, whether that was due to immune issues or personal health challenges. Here's Paul Winkleman's again, my assistant this summer, and the singer of this postcard, Lewis Dillon, with a very memorable pop-up story from their experience. One of my favorite moments of this entire pop-up experience has been one of the postcards that we did. Uh, this was with Lewis Dillon, our baritone singer. And we were contacted by a woman who was trying to do something nice for her husband who has dementia. And she was saying that he's been singing, he had been singing before COVID times in community choirs. And that had been a really fulfilling experience for him and a way to sort of keep him alive and keep him going. But when everything shut down, he wasn't able to do that and he'd been really missing it. So we arranged this sort of surprise postcard for him. We were in sort of just the green space in front of their apartment building. Uh, she had brought out a lawn chair and there was, you know, a couple family friends that were there to sort of be there for the moment. and. He didn't really know what was going on. Like, it was a surprise anyways. And he sits down sort of, you know, waiting to see what's going to happen. Lewis starts the music and he starts singing. And the man immediately rises to his feet, smiling. And he, he starts, he becomes alive and he starts singing along. And for the entire set that Lewis did for him, he was happily singing along and enjoying this musical connection. And... After Lewis finished his final piece, the man was literally jumping for joy about how happy he was to be able to sing and to have music again. It was an incredibly touching moment and I was so happy I was there for it. I think that was definitely the most rewarding uh, experience this summer for me because 
he he knew all of the songs I was singing. He knew all the words. He was actually singing along to all of them. And it was uh, it, it was it was uh, it was crazy actually seeing the you know the kind of change that uh, came over him because he you know it, he he's, he seemed a, a little bit confused at what was going on before when we were setting this up. You start to sing. Do you see the penny drop? Like, do you see him oh, sort of oh, register? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I uh, I just I just saw his, his face totally light up, and then uh, I think I yeah I think I sang uh, I sang like one phrase, and then he uh, you know he stood up and, and just kind of joined uh, joined me right there. Uh, yeah, he he knew uh, he knew all the words to it, which was uh, crazy. He actually had a pretty good voice too. It was just nice actually see what you're doing, really actually helping someone along. To wrap up this podcast, and officially wrap up the Pop-Up Opera program, I asked some of our singers to reflect on the impact of this program. I had a lot of aspirations for it as part of the community engagement vision. I wondered, were we of benefit to the community? Did we overcome some of the barriers in accessing this art form? Did we inspire, encourage, or make someone's day better because they had opera, they had art in their day? And, of course, are we growing our audience? For these singers, did they find that this gave them a reason to practice during a pandemic? Did they find they were able to grow in some way in their own artistic practice? Did this program nourish them as artists? Here are some final thoughts from singers Louis, I, Anna, and Allison. But to start us off, I wanted to give an opportunity to my company manager this summer, my intern, my assistant, Paul. Here's his reflection. Uh, what's the best compliment you've received from the public, or what's the best comment you've uh, overheard, do you think? I think my favorite comment is there has been a couple followers that have been sort of trying to follow us throughout the summer and coming to various locations. So I think my favorite comment is, you've taken me to so many new locations in town following the opera. And I think this woman had been with us every weekend and uh, some sort of like opera chaser type or sort of like the storm chaser, but for as an opera fan. And uh, it's been fun having people sort of try and check us out and follow us when we, we say like, oh, maybe you'll find us here. Um, it has been a strange summer job and also strange compared to what I see going on in the rest of the country. Um, I counted today that we had 150 locations now. That's amazing! <laughs> um, and I probably will be the only person in the country who can say that they've been to 150 performances this summer, so that's an unusual thing. <laughs> what has really also struck me is the, the real diversity of audiences that we've been getting. It's been, because we've done the Color Trio Seniors Homes, and the kids camps but there's also been a range of ages for the people that were coming across and who are interested and uh, suddenly clued into what opera could be and so there'd be spaces we were out in Langford one day and a young man is sort of resting with his bicycle at the park and we start singing and afterwards he comes up to me and says uh, I've never seen opera before but that was really nice can I follow you on Facebook or like, how do I, how do I see more? On my first day out, uh, we were, um, I think our, our last three, uh, little pop-ups that we did that, uh, around Beacon Hill. And so, um, you know, we, we were just, uh, setting up the signs and the, and the cones so that people don't 
come into the uh, come to my bubble or anything like that. And uh, you know, just announcing who we were. That uh, this is Papa Opera. This is the singer. Uh, do you want to hear some opera? And there, there's an older uh, older gentleman there saying, "Well, you know, opera is not really my thing, but uh, I'll give it a shot." And uh, uh, long story short, he he just uh, followed us around to the park for the rest of the for the rest of the performances so that he could hear the whole program. I mean, the, the amount of uh, the amount of people who uh, who have come up to me after and said like, "Oh." Maybe I should uh, maybe I should go see one of these when uh, when they're back on again. It's you know just just seeing the uh, I don't know just seeing the joy on people's faces where it's like you know even even if uh, even if it's like not their you know not uh, not their the top of their Spotify playlist or anything like that. It's nice to know that it's it's not uh, it's not just you that needs it. It's uh, th this is this is something that everyone needs. You know, it might not even be a lesson from like an artistic standpoint, but it's that life goes on and you find a way to make things work and in these kind of difficult times it's so important to keep the idea of human connection going right because you know we're social distancing and maybe not interacting with our own social group as often as we would in the past but this was a way to make connections with people that i'd never met before in a way that was safe and you know was giving them something as well for them to realize, oh, things are still happening and the world finds a way to work and keep going. In general, um, as a performer and having people come up to me to comment on a performance, people seemed just more interested in connecting, more interested in offering their thoughts and their feelings and sharing where they were at, being a little bit more um, honest about where they were at and I think that um, uh, certainly I came across a few people who shared personal stories uh, one of my favorite moments was a gentleman asking if he could sing for me and I thought that was wonderful and I said yes please and his wife was with him and and had him stand back 12 feet she was concerned he would sing too close to me and I said it's completely fine it's it's totally fine and she backed him up and and he sang um, just a scale for me, uh, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. <laughs> and it was delightful. It was the most uh, connected, invested scale I've ever had sung for me. Um, and he loved it. And I loved him sharing with me. And his wife then said that, unfortunately, he, um, he's in the early stages of Alzheimer's and it's early onset for him. And his favorite thing to do is sing and all the choirs have, have shut down during COVID. And pop-up opera is one of the few things she can still take him to. So she'd been following the website and following the performances. And I just think, I just thought that was the loveliest thing and that he was so willing to want to talk and share and sing with me. Um, those, are the, those are the moments where I think um, potentially that COVID has changed. I'm not sure necessarily we'd have those moments if COVID hadn't happened. Um, people miss the arts. And when it pops up right next to you as you're walking down the street, um, it's a real treat. And I think we reached a lot of people that were maybe feeling a little down and lonely and just walking from point A to point B and gave them just a little moment of something different and something lovely. and. A little bit of a little bit of fun.
it's it's really been um incredibly cathartic it's um i mean as much as it was an outreach for the community it really was in my opinion a bit of a lifesaver and a lifeline for for a singer to be able to go sing um prior to pop-up opera i'd just been practicing and had a schedule and um when the pandemic first hit at first it was kind of exciting so i was like well i don't have anything on the horizon i'll practice everything i've always wanted to and never had time for and that was initially quite a thrill and i i made my list and i started to work through it and i was having a great time and then i realized that i would never get to share this with anyone it was just me um and my fiance who was listening to me practice and and while you only really should sing for yourself um, always as an artist, it's hard not to share when you've spent your whole life sharing. Um, so be, to be able to come out of the practice room and have someone to sing for uh, was a gift at such a challenging time to remind me that um, we're here as artists, we're we're not going anywhere. There is hope. There's light at the end of the tunnel. This will pass. Uh, and in the meantime, we just have to get creative about different ways that we can still sing and still make music and, and make art and be present and how much it really can change someone's life singing their, their favorite song or singing them happy birthday or doing um, a surprise appearance on the sidewalk. Just to know that there's been some kind of impact that we've been able especially in a global pandemic when really things are quite bleak for a lot of people um just being able to bring a few minutes of joy to someone's day you know it's just been really lovely and i thank you for the opportunity the theme of connection human connection through music in a shared space, it speaks to the real challenge the performing arts face right now. The restrictions on gathering are making this impossible for us as the fall and the winter season come. The opera art form is collaborative, creating the music, rehearsing the music, performing the music, but it's not just that. It's also about the people you see on the stage because they need you to collaborate, the audience, your part of the collaboration. Without you, it's so very hard. I'm giving the final word today to our Lieutenant Governor, Janet Austin, whom you heard off the top of this podcast. She kindly hosted several pop-ups at Government House and celebrated the singers and the opportunity to create a place for this program. I asked her what gives her hope in this moment and what does she feel that she's missing most because of COVID-19? Of, of sharing music together in a common physical space. So no matter how marvelous technology has become and the quality of technology is, is amazing now, but there's nothing like being there in person, seeing performers, hearing them, and being part of that shared experience. And I certainly miss that very much. And I know, I, I think most people do. I also think the arts are they're so critical it's what makes our lives together positive and affirming so i um i greatly admire the um the quality of the work that you do 
the um, sophistication of the music is, is marvelous. And for me, it's wonderful to see these absolutely fabulous young performers have a chance to perform at a time when there are very, very few opportunities. So I think it was really a wonderful thing that you did. It was a gift to the community, certainly a gift to me um, because I attended many of them and enjoyed them very much. And that wraps up 150 performances of Pop-Up Opera. We were out on the streets all over Greater Victoria from June 19th to August 30th this summer. I want to give my thanks to not only the singers who participated in this podcast, but to all the singers who were part of the program. My thanks to Louis Dillon, Kyla Fredette, Alana Hayes, I Horton, Abby Schilliger, Anna Schill, Cassidy Starr, Jan Vanderhoeft, and Allison Ward. And of course, Paul Winkleman's, our company manager this summer and my assistant. I also want to give a very special thanks to the Arts Council of British Columbia for supporting the employment of Paul Winkleman's, who worked to make the vision of pop-up a reality daily. He's actually a very fine singer who was part of our chorus years ago, and he's also a wonderful burgeoning arts administrator. My thanks to Robert Holliston, who recorded all the karaoke tracks for the pop-up opera singers, and my thanks to all of you who showed up with lawn chairs often, and always with smiles and cheers for these terrific local singers. Thank you for supporting arts in our community. I can't wait for next year's edition. Don't forget to check out the Spotify playlist built from these singers' favorite songs to sing this summer, and I've also encouraged them to offer a few other songs that they might like to share with you. There are even a number of selections from her honor, Janet Austin. She and I had a great little riff of a conversation about opera, Strauss, sopranos. I may have to have her back as a special guest. At any rate, her selections are also on the Spotify playlist for September 4th, 2020. You can also read more background stories in the liner notes on the webpage at pacificopera.ca. You only heard four of the nine singers today, and you can read more stories in the liner notes. Our next episode of the podcast will be October 2nd. I'm Rebecca Haas for the Listening Party Podcast, and until then, as Dr. Henry says, be kind, be calm, be safe. Until the next time.